Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 81. So, I'm back on the road in San Diego, and I got a headache the other day. But I'm in a completely new environment where everything has changed, so I have no idea what caused it. Anything could be the culprit. And that made... And this is a strange idea, but it made everything look sinister. Everything I did, I started to question. I would say, is this to blame? And it reminded me that when you make a lot of changes at the same time and something goes wrong, it makes it really, really hard to figure out why. It's like the old math problems where if you had, let me see if I can remember this, if you had more variables than you had equations, you couldn't figure out the answer. So if you had one equation and one variable, x, you could solve it. And if you had three equations and three variables, x, y, and z, then you could solve for all three variables. But if you had two equations and three variables, it was impossible to figure out what any of the variables were. I guess what I'm trying to say is I find myself becoming more conservative. And I'm trying to understand why. We all, we all think we're individuals. And we are. We're all unique. We're all different. But our lives rhyme. And I think there's an enormous arrogance, (laughs) which I certainly suffer from, founded in ignorance that says we're completely different, that says we are not subject to the same forces as other people. And that's wrong. We are subject to the same forces. We are susceptible to the same problems and pitfalls and tragedies. And I think we start to understand that better as we get older. We start to understand we're not invulnerable. And so we start to get more cautious. On the positive side, I think, you know, we we start to learn to really appreciate these, these infinite gifts we've been given life and health and and freedom, we realize how unlikely they are and how fragile those gifts are. And so we want to conserve them, (laughs) right? We become more conservative. And I think part of a healthy conservatism is having the humility to understand that we cannot predict the effects of large changes, Reality is irreducibly complex, and a single change, even a change that appears simple, that change can ripple through the entire world in ways we didn't expect, in ways we don't really understand. And I would say that is the rule. Unintended consequences are the rule, the unpredictable is the rule. And that means the unpredictable is predictable. How can I put this? I'm an enormous fan of experiments. 
because that's how progress happens in, in basically every domain, in evolution, in science, in society. We expose our ideas or our hypotheses to the world, to reality, and we let reality judge them. And for example, that's why I've been really glad to see states gradually legalizing weed. Because those are little localized experiments, and then the other states will be able to learn from those experiments and also act as a control group. And I believe we're seeing data from those early states like Colorado that indicate that, you know, maybe legalizing weed is having some negative consequences that we didn't predict, like an increase in drugged driving. And so I'm a fan of experiments as long as they're local. But those experiments can't be on the whole human race at the same time. Because then if something goes horribly wrong, and again, because we know that it's predictable that something unpredictable will occur, if something goes horribly wrong with an experiment that we're running on the entire human race at the same time, we're all going down in the same ship. And no one knows if something will go horribly wrong. That's the definition of the new. So experiments need to be local. They need to be gradual. They need to be cautious. Because based on evolution, based on any sort of science, we know that most experiments fail. And the more radical the experiment the more likely it is to fail, by definition. And since it takes time for the results of an experiment to come in, the rolling out of the experiment has to be gradual. And the problem is that we think about experiments as taking place in a lab and taking, you know, a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months. But the experiments we're running today aren't the sort where the data is going to come in in a year or two. It takes a generation. And so even with innovations that have clear benefits, I think they need to be very carefully scaled up over enough time for meaningful feedback to be analyzed. And that, I think, from the conservative viewpoint, is where we've messed up. <laughs> There have been so many universal changes so quickly that, that we can't disentangle their effect, their impact. We can't tell which are net positive and which are net negative. Let me give you one example to start. One example of consequences to a universal change that I think were unintended but devastating. Let's talk about debt. The system we live in today, the financial system, where every significant asset is financed, housing, cars, education, that's a very recent invention. <laughs> and when interest-only floating rate mortgages were introduced, I'm sure they sounded like a great idea. And it's the same with 72-month car loans or student debt. At the time, 
I'm sure they sounded like a positive. You know, they made purchases more affordable, and they created opportunity. And only now, two generations later, are we really starting to feel the downside. The hangover of debt is only really kicking in now. And that's because the debt card could only be played once. And the boomers played it. And they got all the toys. But now, the cost of your house and the cost of your education, those prices are based not on how much people can pay, but on how much debt they can take out. And that debt availability has driven such insane inflation that an ordinary American can no longer afford a house. An ordinary American can no longer afford an education. So the debt that created opportunity for the boomers has just destroyed opportunity for their children and for their grandchildren. And so the boomers lose just like the rest of us because nobody wants to see their children and their grandchildren fail. It's horrible. But that was the unintended result. Look at health. We know health in this country has gone off a cliff. Now, is that because of the huge increase in the consumption of sugar or the huge increase in the consumption of processed carbohydrates or the increase in the consumption of seed oils, starting with Crisco, I think, in the early 20th century? What about the use of glyphosate? Or maybe it's our increased sedentary lifestyle. My point is that we don't really know because it's impossible to disentangle all the variables. And because we can't disentangle all the variables, proposing solutions becomes much more difficult. Another example, let's take sexuality. The West, the entire developed world, is facing a demographic disaster. I know a lot of people are worried that there are too many people, but the opposite is the truth. Every developed nation now is below replacement rate. The demographic decline of even China is already written on the wall. And the result is that developed nations are committing essentially slow-motion suicide because no one is having children. Now, why is that? Well, maybe that's what inevitably happens when people get rich. Or maybe contraception has something to do with it. Or, you know, what about the effects of birth control, which are still not very well understood? Maybe the culprit is pornography. Or, you know, the incredibly complex situation of women now being equally represented in the workforce. Now, how do all of those variables interact? And how should we think about the consequences? No one knows. It's too complicated a problem. I think this, this issue applies to a lot of broader societal problems right now. Because, because well, enormous changes have been pushed through with very little conscious or collective 
deliberation. We've deindustrialized the West, and that has helped destroy communities. We've, we've implemented no-fault divorce laws. We've given everyone a smartphone and social media that are designed by supercomputers to addict us and make us junkies, junkies to dopamine and attention. Now, are any of these changes to blame for the skyrocketing rates of anxiety and depression, self-harm, suicide? Maybe none of them are. But it's so complicated that no one knows. We can guess and we can draw some graphs that, you know, maybe show correlation, maybe. But we don't know. So I don't have any answers. I don't know the solution. That's my point, though. My point is that no one knows. And so I'm skeptical of any answer that doesn't acknowledge this basic point. This point that that rapid change in multiple areas at once is a recipe for confusion. And it creates an inability to course correct or to solve the problem because we don't know what's causing it. And any systemic change, once we realize it was a mistake, is very difficult to put back into the bottle, and certainly very painful to try, because it's already universal. We've already made a sea change, blithely, carelessly in some respects, without feedback, without data, without running experiments. And in that respect, at least, I think the conservatives are correct. Okay, that's all I've got. I will catch you next week.